This episode of The Naked Truth is brought to you by City of Angels, LA's premier West Coast swing event. Join us April 11th to the 14th in sunny Los Angeles, California, for a weekend of workshops, competition, and social dancing with some of the best instructors, DJs, and dancers around, including Jordan and Tatiana, Ben and Victoria, Kyle and Sarah, Benji Schwimmer, and yours truly. Competitions include Jack and Jill, Strictly Swing, Rising Star, Classic, and Showcase. And you'll get to see special performances by Jordan and Tatiana and the JT Swing team. Early bird passes are available until March 31st and include Friday night's glow party, a Saturday night breakfast buffet, and a limited edition t-shirt. And our listeners can get $10 off a weekend pass by going to thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash COA. That's thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash COA as in City of Angels. Don't miss out on all the fun. Buy your passes today. And now on with the show. Welcome to The Naked Truth, real talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Eric. I'm Deborah, and today is our 25th episode, and to celebrate, we're going to do what we hope will be the first of many mailbag episodes, in which we answer questions from our audience. Thank you to everyone who sent us your comments and questions for this episode. And remember, you can send us your comments and questions anytime. By the way, 25th episode means we've been doing this for six months. I know. Happy year. I mean, granted, we took a couple of weeks off, but you know. I know. I still, I, sometimes I, I can't believe that it actually, we, we've actually done this because we've talked about this for a long time yes. and wanting to do it. And then it finally happened. <laughs> and it's still going. It's still going. <laughs> I know when you start, us. when we started, you were like, how long are we going to do this for? <laughs> <laughs> But, We're not stopping now. No, I know. But they like us. They really like us. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say I've I've loved seeing one uh the response that we've gotten from people that they sure. are getting something out of it and they're enjoying it. So that's really rewarding. And two, how many people are really having conversations about the things we're talking about? Yes. That they're really not just about the things we're talking about, they're starting to have their own conversations, but that right. our mission of of kind of getting people to talk more openly, Open up dialogue, and, yeah, yeah, discourse is it's really spreading, and that's fantastic. We want more. I of dig that. it, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, every time I go to an event, people come up to me and mention how much they love the show, and I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're doing a good job. Yay, Eric! Good, good on you. Tap, tap yourself on the back. Go, go, go! Virtual it's high just, five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Slap. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we have some questions that we're going to answer just a a handful. We'll see how much time we have. Um, This first question comes from Maria Ford. Hi, Maria. Thanks for listening. She says, I'd love to know how Eric and Deborah met, how they became friends, and how the idea for, then the actual commitment to doing, this excellent podcast came about. Um, We were trying to remember how we met. How did we meet? (laughs) I mean, I know we met on the East Coast. Yes. Um, so my recollection, and we were talking about this earlier, my recollection is, I mean, I've always known who you are from the moment I first went to Boston Tea Party years and years ago. Right. And you knew who I was just because I was competing and you were judging. Right. But when I feel like we actually had a conversation (laughs) was when I was doing my routine with Kelly. Right. Kelly Faust. And that was 2006. We started in 2006. And competed into the 2007 season okay and somewhere in there she became friends with victor and you were good friends with victor 
you were in Texas at the time, right? This is before Boston? Where were no, you before Boston? Texas is after oh, Boston. after Boston, right, right, right. Right, California's before Boston. Okay. I know, I can't keep up either. <laughs> <laughs> we're like nomads. Um, yeah, so- but yeah, so then I remember just, I was hanging out with Kelly and she was hanging out with Victor and you were hanging out with Victor and somehow we, I don't know, we had a drink or we were talking or something. And then we became friends. Oh, and then we became oh, friends much later. <laughs> no, no. Right. But, but then we also realized that because I don't think you realized that I lived in Boston at the time. Oh, I knew when I moved there. Oh, okay. Because Robert was teaching at Arlington. Right. And I got invited to Arlington. I was like, why isn't Deborah teaching here? Which is a whole other story. But um, <laughs> whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so you guys were already in Boston when I moved there in 2008. And then I remember taking private lessons from you. All right. So that we met in 2006, you moved to Boston in 2008, but we didn't become friends till like. Oh, so you, I remember. Okay. So for me, this is when I feel like we started becoming friends. Okay. So I have to remember the year. Probably, honestly, 2013. Okay. Which seems recent, but it's six years ago. Um, because you had entered your partnership with Robert. Right. I had ended my relationship with Kenny. Right. And during this period, both of us were on Facebook posting. You were posting quotes as you continue to do. Right. Um, And I was posting just my own reflections on my own personal journey that I was going through in that period because I ended that relationship. I changed jobs. There's just a lot of upheaval in my life. Right. And actually that fall, 2013, I kind of went through a whole paradigm shift in myself, like a lot of personal growth. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing you and, and we used to like each other's stuff on Facebook. All the time, right? Because right? I was like, oh, she's also going through like this beautiful journey. And I, I just really related to what you were posting. Right. And then I saw you at Boogie. And I walked into the hotel and I just remember like without even, we didn't even have to say anything. I was just like, Deborah, And you were like, Eric, and we hugged. Eric. And I feel like that was the moment when... We realized. Yeah. Like that we were common friends. souls. Right. Yeah. And we started so, hanging out and having drinks and all of that. Right. Which, and then of course now, then it would be, it became a tradition that every time we'd go to events, mm-hmm. we'd make sure that we would connect with each other and say, Hey, let's meet for a drink or, yes. you know, come out to my room. And then we'd end up having these really deep <laughs> long. conversations, <laughs> yeah. two and three hours long. Right. And then I think finally fast forward to swingtacular two years ago no this past this past year this past year yeah 2018 really it was sunday night of swingtacular this year and we shared this story i think in our very first episode of how we got started right we were in the parking lot the yep. parking structure the parking garage <laughs> you have a parking classy garage place drink. we always have classy drinks <laughs> <laughs> having drinks and 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 uh so, oh, and I think also we were in the parking garage because that's also when I was still smoking cigarettes. Yes. Right? Because I had quit. I, I so. quit, right? And right. I had the, so the other part of this story is our gin and right. how I got you hooked on gin. <laughs> and well, actually, because yes, I love gin, but you got me on that brand um, of gin. And actually, it happened. And by the way, this gin is St. George's uh, Tela Tell- Gin. Yeah, um, St. George is made here in Alameda. And my friend, Crystal Harling, who I hope is listening, I know she listens to some of these episodes, she introduced me to it. And I was like, oh, my God, where has this been all my life? Very botanical. So, actually, <clears throat> I introduced you to that gin at 5280. 
And it oh, was see? three or four years ago? Maybe. I'm trying to remember when I was there. It's got to know. I'm going to say it's more than four because four I wasn't living ago? out here yet. Okay. In Denver yet. So maybe five years ago. Yeah. And I found a bottle of that in a, the local liquor store, whatever, um, and bought it for the weekend. And right. I was having some and you come and I'm drinking it in the ballroom, standing by the doorway and you walk in. <laughs> this is one of my favorite Deborah stories. So I walk in, uh, I walk over to you and I say, do you like gin? And you're like, well, I, I like, I don't know. I like Bombay Sapphire. I was like, no, no, no. I said, have some of this. And you gave me this look like you're, you're crazy. I'm not, what are you handing me? I'm not going to drink this. And I said, just smell it. And you smelled it and your eyes just lit up because it's a very aromatic gin. It's yes. The, the story behind it is that it is um, uh, steeped with the herbs taken from Mount Tam here in the Bay Area. So it's got right. you know, elderflower and juniper and, and right. spruce Beautiful. and all these other things. And um, Do you yeah, remember your what eyes I just said? lit up. Yes. And yeah. you took a sip and you said, oh, my God, I want to bathe in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Because <laughs> it tastes, smelled so delicious and tastes like so, like smooth. And I, it's hard to explain yeah. the taste of it, except that it, it is very floral and, and yes. botanical. Um, and I have a bottle of it in my freezer <laughs> now. It, it's always in my freezer. It's, it's absolutely delicious. So, so then when we, yeah, when we meet at events, you're always like, you're bringing the gin. <laughs> yes, I know. Is the gin happening? Yes. And then, of course, like we decided to do the podcast, and then and so at, when we were at this in the parking lot at Swingtacular, you were like, "No, Deborah, if you're really serious about this," and I was like, "No, no, I am totally serious about this." And we shook hands on it. <laughs> yep. Do you remember? Yes. And I, I don't know how many months passed. Not many, because uh, well, I started working on it right away. Right. Uh, but that night. So yeah, that night you were talking about these things and we were, we kept saying, we need to talk about, like, we need more people talking about this. And right. it was, it was some of the episodes that we've already talked about, about like women professionals, um, you know, mistreatment of professionals. You were just sharing your experience and, and yeah. I felt like this right. was stuff that wasn't widely known. Right. And so like, <clears throat> we should do a podcast. You're like, we're, yes, we're going to do a pod. I was like, okay. And you stuck out your hand and I was like, all right, we're shaking on it. But then, um, yeah, it was actually because we started in September. So I started researching how does one do a podcast? Right. <laughs> because I listen to podcasts, but recording right. one and it's producing it and where do you animal. host it and all of that and doing research into podcast hosting sites and what equipment do we need and how are we going to edit it? And it took a while to get all of that up. And then we needed a name. We needed a logo and yeah, we get were... into iTunes. So I remember we first... We were ready to go before we were like accepted by iTunes. And so we waited a couple of weeks no, to record. I feel like we were accepted by iTunes, but Google, we had a problem. Oh, with. right, right, right. It wasn't yeah. showing up in Google podcast or right. Google play. Right. I think it's still not. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's Google, ever been resolved. I, well, Google podcast it's there. Cause that's right, right. it's in Google to. podcast, but it never showed up in play. And so yeah. we waited, but. Uh, oh, Google. Oh, Google. But uh Yeah. <laughs> That was how it all kind of came to fruition. Um, and then we long. made, and also Eric and I are two people that when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Yes. Yes. I mean, it t does help that we're both Leos and we're the same sign. <laughs> <laughs> we're very much alike in lots of ways. Which right. Is why I think we're good friends. Yeah. And I was just talking to um, uh, a friend and, and student here, Marley Rabel, and she actually does a podcast too, which is um, 
uh, I'm trying to remember the name because she did this whole series on incarceration in Australia. Oh um, boy. Which I want to listen to. I'm going to look up the name of that podcast to give her a shout out. But um, anyway, I was talking to her and she did that podcast with a friend and she was saying it's so much easier when you do it with somebody else. And it's absolutely true. <laughs> like um, that we keep each other going and we each right. infuse ideas into it and questions right. and guests and mm-hmm. um, all of it's that. It's better teamwork, easier yes. as a team. Sure. Right. I can understand that for sure. Um, her podcast, by the way, is called Carceral Complex. Wow, it sounds deep. Yeah. Well, the first season is about um, a particular prison that was shut down and then reopened in Australia for uh, immigrants mm-hmm. or a detention center. I shouldn't call it a prison. Um, and then she has stopped doing them. But anyway, if anybody wants to listen, if anybody listens to podcasts, shout out to Marley. Um, so yeah, here we are six months later, still doing it, still planning more episodes. No, it's um, exciting. And again, thank you to everybody who has asked us questions or stimulated different ideas. Um, we, we, we keep a list when we get ideas from people, we have right. a kind of running list. So keep them coming. Um, let us know what you think. Yeah. Cause we'd like to do this mailbag thing, like at least once a month, I think it would be great. Yeah. And this mailbag's for the things that maybe we don't need a full episode for. Right. Um, but you have questions or want our, our opinions or, um, our experience or perspective. So. It's great. Yes. Okay. I dig it. Um, let's jump to our second question. Mm-hmm. This one came from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Farhad Mahmoudi. Um, and he was responding to our episode about <clears throat> leading and following, which we did mm-hmm. a little while back. And he says, as a leader, sometimes I shut my partner down when they want to stop the dance, parentheses, not embellishing or stylizing their movement, right before the phrase change. What do you suggest me to do in these conditions. It oftentimes happens in the socials and comps. I know that's a part of learning how to be musical, but it makes the dance into a train wreck. So what do you think of that? Well, is, is, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Is he saying that, you know, sometimes he shuts down his partner's idea during a phrase change? Well, yeah, I get the sense that He's trying to set up the phrase change and the followers are going down some other tangent. And you and well, I have I, talked about this before of like, we really want the follower to give the leader a chance of setting up the phrase change. And I'm wondering right. if he's having that situation and it's not, he's not resolving it in a way that works. Or, or, I mean, there's so many scenarios that we can put out here. We can say that he's, he's setting up the phrase change too soon. Maybe. So, so he's not being clear to the followers. So she's, confused about it, which is why when the phrase is coming up, she has an idea because his setup wasn't done clearly, mm-hmm. you know, enough. Then there's the other scenario where both of you are getting ready for the phrase change. And by some act of God, one of you is smarter than the other and goes, oh, maybe I should back off because that one has a better idea. Right. And I think that's more of an experience thing, more of dancing with someone more often like the pros are really good at it because we dance, you know, we know each other well. Right. Um, or, or, or the other thing, you know, could be that sometimes the leader shuts down um, the follower because they have danced with this person uh, before. And each time she's tried to take over the phrase change, it's been too early or too late. Right. And he knows, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, I, what's, what's your answer? So my experience as a leader, I mean, it gets back to a lot of what we were talking about in our episode last week and all things swing. It's all about adapting to your partner. So yep. look, in an ideal world for me as a leader, my follower gives me a couple of phrase changes to demonstrate that I can set my partner up for them. Right. Right. And we build trust. And then my follower knows, oh, my leader's going to set me up for a phrase change. I better not interrupt. Right. If you as a leader are not being clear about that, and after a couple of phrase changes, your follower might say, I think I need to do something to help us set up. Right. Hopefully it's, I, I presume it's not selfish. I presume they're trying to set us up to hit the phrase change. Mm-hmm. In which case, I need to pay attention to my follower and see what they're mm-hmm. trying to tell me. Now, it also gets back to what we were talking about last time of followers, I hope, develop the skills they need to communicate to their leader their intentions so mm-hmm. that it's clear, right? If it gets to what you were saying, if either partner is not communicating their intentions, then we have misconnections. So ideally, as a leader, you communicate that you'd like to that you have an idea and you'd like to move through to the phrase change. Mm-hmm. It has happened to me plenty of times where followers, there's sometimes a long note, for instance, right before the phrase change, right? The singer belts out a long note leading right. to the phrase change. And what does the follower do? They slow down and melt into it. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> oh, it's no. not going to happen. But Don't here's the thing that. is now my job is not to force my follower out of it or make my follower look bad. My job is to let my follower do that and then resolve it on the phrase change. Right. Right. Communicate. Hey, cool, long note. And then we're going to hit the one. Right. So ideally you work with what your partner is offering the idea of shutting your partner down, I personally not, don't I like do it. it. <laughs> I agree. Um, I mean, I, I understand. I'm assuming Farhad is, you know, well-intentioned and just talking about trying to be an active leader as opposed to mm-hmm. shutting your partner down. Maybe it was um, the wrong choice of words for him. Maybe yeah. he meant, you know, let's not assume. Maybe he didn't right, mean, right. yeah. That's what I mean. I'm just assuming he means I'm I'm actively leading to set up the phrase change. Right. Right. In a way that's very intentional. Um, but yeah, my, my whole feeling about it is do your best to set things up and be clear about your intentions. But if your follower interrupts with something, you roll with it. This whole dance is about being adaptive and rolling with it. You know, you talk about this, Deborah, how you and your peers, when you dance together as champions, there are glitches, but you learn to roll with it and, and work with it so that it doesn't seem like a glitch. And it certainly doesn't become a train wreck. Right. I always tell, you know, everyone in all my classes, it doesn't matter what levels, you know, the dancing that, you know, that West Coast Swing is a series of adjustments, mm-hmm. You're consistently adjusting, um, you know, which is why it's so important to have a such a good understanding of how your body works and how it works when you're dancing with someone else and knowing your basics really well so that you can adjust to anything and anyone. Right. You know? Yeah. This is not, it's coming from something like ballroom. This is not like ballroom in that there's a set prescribed group of figures. You know, we have those figures. I often describe it like language. So in Mm -hmm. class, I'm teaching you to be, to see, to do. And then Mm -hmm. when you dance, you conjugate. Right. Exactly. So pass a push and a whip or the infinitive. And then I conjugate and it's going to be, whatever sentence, right? This might be pass subjunctive and it's going to be some crazy variation on a pass. So. Right. Um, yeah, the more we can communicate and like you said, develop those fundamental skills that give us mastery of our own movement and our ability to communicate our intentions to our partner, the less likely we are to have 
train wrecks or any kind of right. Like, and I and I think building those fundamental skills is just like having a uh, a really good vocabulary and knowing when to use those words in a sentence. Right. Yes. Sometimes people make the mistake of using the wrong words in a sentence mm-hmm. when they're dancing, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Or it's dance duets. We've talked about that. Yeah, <laughs> dance duets, right? <laughs> stop talking, stop talking. How are you doing today? Isn't the weather lovely? Chocolate! And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, what just happened? Why, did, so why did she just yell chocolate? Um, right. yeah, yeah, it happens. No, it does. Um, sometimes it's just the mood you're in or... <laughs> You know, or or it's sometimes it's just nerves, right? You know, and that's something that needs to like you have to learn how to get under uh, control, so okay. that the dance can feel more seamless to you. Yes, and I think getting back to this question in particular, that's a good strategy for any leader who is trying to set up phrase changes. Is at the beginning, make sure you're on board with your partner. Too many leaders, you talk about this all the time, and you talk about when you're judging, you watch the starter set because people don't connect at the beginning. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but once that train is going, That's it. they're not going to get on board. So yeah. or it's a and lot I, harder anyway. Right. And I try to explain to leaders to like, I, I recognize that there are certain songs where like a starter step is hard to do because it's got that big, like lyrical beginning, mm-hmm. you know, and all that stuff. And that's fine. Like sway back and forth, put her in like, you know, a, a sit dip or something. And then when, when there is a beat, like do a starter step. So you're together on beat or right. or do something that gives her the inclination of what dance you're doing. Right. No. And uh, for what it's worth, leaders, if you don't know where the beat is, don't start dancing. Right. Because <laughs> you have a 50-50 shot of being on time. Right. Those are not good odds. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the, the more we connect at the beginning of the dance and get on the same page, it's easier to relax into the dance. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, when it comes to competition and I am being judged on how I look, I want to avoid those train wrecks or glitches. So if my partner interrupts me with something, I'm going to roll with it and pretend like that's exactly what was supposed to happen. <laughs> right. And then, you know? Yeah. And there's two scenarios that happen all the time that annoy me when I'm watching the dance. It's either the scenario where the leader doesn't get doesn't bring the follower on a beat and then starts her somewhere. He just pulls her and makes her yes. go. There's no like, or, starter of any kind. Right. Or the music starts and the follower starts moving before the leader and not waiting for the leader. I want to go stop it. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the th- two things you shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> not if you want a successful dance. Or not if you want a good score from me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Know your judges. Right. You know, they call exactly. them out before you go out. So pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> question number three. This is from Diana Olney, and I thought it was an interesting one mm-hmm. of, could you discuss how different teachers teach conflicting information about basic patterns and who to listen to? Oh, yes, I totally can. Listen to Deborah. <laughs> oh, here's what I'm going to say. Go I don't believe that the top professionals really conflict with one another to a point. There are certain things that we do, all, all of us don't agree with, but for, for the most part, we do agree. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is that when teachers say to do something, um, students need to ask the why. If they yes. don't get the why, that's when it becomes conflicting right. for them because they just say, well, so-and-so told me to do this. And then I say, well, did they tell you why? 
and they go, no. And I, and I say, well, here, I'm going to tell you why, because we all as professionals, I feel have a mutual respect and understanding of what others teach. And we do not throw each other under the bus. However, students like to put us in positions of conflict. Hmm. They like to say, well, so-and-so said this and immediately put us in, a, in an adversarial position. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, well, I don't, they didn't say that. They said that like you took their words out of context or you didn't understand um, the meaning. And then my other suggestion is like, you can hear, you can hear five different things. You have to recognize what works best for you, mm-hmm. for your body, what, what works best for you at that moment in time. Cause Again, West Coast Swing is a series of adjustments. Right. And maybe, you know, t- two hours ago it wouldn't have worked. And two hours from now it will work. Right. Right. So I, I don't believe that, you know, there's so much conflicting information out there of basic patterns. But the other thing is, if the if the two instructors can explain to you that, that, that you say are conflicting, if they tell you the why that they do it, then there's no conflict. You know the why. Right. There's no singular answer. <laughs> right. West Coast Swing. Right. Correct. I would add to one thing I try to help my students with is understanding for them how to make that decision of, is this something that I make fundamental or right. is it something I keep in my toolbox as an adaptation right. or styling? Right. Or and, as a correction. Right. That's true right. too. Right. And for me, I think it's important for you, you listening, to have an understanding of what West Coast Swing is to you in mm-hmm. terms of the mechanics of the dance, the timing and rhythms, uh, basic body movement, mm-hmm. you know, an understanding of what it is for you and your body, uh, such that when you get new information, you say, well, this, this is consistent with my my framework understanding of West Coast Swing. Mm -hmm. So that might be good advice for my fundamentals, or this doesn't quite fit with the way I understand the dance. So then one, you need to consider maybe I should change the way I think about the dance. Right. Or two, if you conclude that it just doesn't jibe, then you say, well, that's a good option for me to keep in my toolkit. Right. That I can come to at a later date. Right. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's important to be able to make that distinction for yourself. So you all as champions, yeah, if you listen to you all talking, you're saying the same thing. You don't always say it with the same words and you don't always emphasize the same thing, but you're all after the same thing. Your intentions and your whys are all the same. Right. Right. And I think, you know, it's important like for us to recognize that, you know, in West Coast Swing, like there's, there's really no absolutes except for, you know, leaders move back, followers move forward. Left foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. And even and then even, we break that rule. <laughs> right. And even then, because like some some teachers teach that leaders move back on every basic on one. And I teach, I move back in relationship to my body, depending right. what basic am I doing. If I'm doing an underarm turn, right, or a whip, I go diagonal to my left. Right. If I'm doing a left side pass or a tuck turn, tuck, passing tuck, I go, I turn to my left side. Right. You know what I mean? So some people go straight out of the slot. Some people go diagonal out of the slot. So Again, and, and they're both correct. I say this too, like we're all correct. Right. It's like what works at the moment for you. Yeah. And if you ever have the chance to hear um, Robert Royston talk about how he talks about absolutes and, and opinions, 
Right. Right. There is a distinction. Absolute. The human body is an absolute. Yes. <laughs> like her knees don't bend backwards. <laughs> they only bend to go forward. Right? right. There are certain things about biology that are absolutes. And it, like right. you said, that you can't change yeah. structure. Right. right. Exactly. Um, but a lot of it is preference. And then the question, as you said, Deborah, that people should be asking is why? Why, why is that your right. preference? And, and why do you do it? Yeah. yeah. And then you think about, okay, what's my understanding of the dance? And how does that affect my understanding of West Coast Swing? And mm-hmm. if it fits in, cool. If it changes it, cool. And if it doesn't, you say, okay, I think that would be a good adaptation to keep right. it in my pocket. Right. Totally, I totally agree with that. I hope we answered the question. So, <laughs> so the answer, Diana, is listen to everyone and understand right. them. Um, seek understanding. Be active students. We talked about this last time, too, and all things swing, of being a, a proactive student and really making sure you understand what the teacher is asking of you and why. Right. And, and rem- remember that there's two ways to pose a question. There's a there's a way to pose a question because you truly want to understand. And there's a way to pose a question just to be combative. Mm-hmm. Either and with the teacher or the partners that you're dancing with. <laughs> right. And you never want to be combative because the teachers are here to help you. Right. Really. Yeah. Similar question from Franny Vesha. Franny, I don't know how to say her last name. I know it's Italian and I want to say Vesha. It looks like Vesha. Right. So her name is Francesca. So. Vesca. Uh, Franny here in San Francisco asked two related questions of how to get the most out of classes and private lessons and how to get the most out of peer practice sessions. Um, asking also, how do you give useful feedback in them in the peer practice sessions? And I think she asked that because we do peer practice sessions here. Um, either mm-hmm. we organize groups to get together. We also have a monthly practice session here at, uh, Mission City Swing. So. What's your advice on how to get the most out of classes and private lessons? I feel like we've touched upon some of it being proactive. So I feel like, how, well, so private lessons, I feel like, and classes, I, I work on those things by myself at home. And I also work on them on a social dance floor. So if I'm talking about private lessons, usually that's something that a, a teacher has given specific to me for me to work on. Whereas in a class, it's something a little bit different. It's more generalized for the class. So if it's, if it's a, if it's a private lesson thing, then I, then I make sure that I, I work on that at home consistently till I, till I can commit it to muscle memory where, where I, it feels natural, you know, in my body. And then something that I learn in class, um, is something that I'll practice during social dancing. Cause something that you learn in class is something that you learn with a partner usually because you're rotating to different, uh, partners. So I, I just think about, you know, social dancing that's where i get a lot of my practice from my dancing Mm. is my is my social dancing is there anything you want students to do when you're teaching them in the lesson to get the most out of it or any advice you give students yeah i I feel like students are not present a lot Mm. um so I, i i recognize that everyone has a different learning curve i get that um however i'm from the school of uh you have control over your own body, right? right? And if a teacher tells you that they want you to, I don't know, say put your hand on your waist while you're going down an underarm turn as a follower, the teacher shouldn't have to tell you that five times. Mm-hmm. Just be aware, put it on your waist, and be focused on keeping that hand on the waist. Now, I do recognize that you learn a lot of things in a private lesson, but if we're just focusing on one thing, 
you know, after you've been told once or twice, now it's your job to remind your body to do that because dancing is memorizing a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, and I tell my students, like when we're in a, when we're in a lesson and, and they, and they do something correct, I go, yes, that was it. I said, now memorize that, whatever that felt like you have to memorize that feeling. Right. And until we get to that point, then, then I understand, like, you have to keep repeating, no, do it again, do it again. But if once they get it right, memorize that feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's a, and I, I, I realize that's a skill set that you have to, you know, work on because not everyone, um, is used to learning physicality, right? It's different. Yeah, for sure. It's a, yeah. It's not easy. And, um, but that's also why when I'm teaching, I make sure I ask the students like what they do for a living so that I can yeah. relate to them yeah. better. Right. And they're learning. Their right. Understand. Right. You know, some people are kinesthetic and some people are visual and some people are verbal listeners. Some people are numbers and sounds and you have to do all this assessment in an hour. Right. Right. Um, and that's what separates a good teacher from a great teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Adapting to the student. Right. I would agree with that. I, my biggest piece of advice to students in terms of getting most out of lessons, mm -hmm. in addition to what you said of being there, being present, try everything, whatever right. they tell you, just try it, see what happens, right. Right. Um, is to be proactive in asking questions and yes. also telling me as a teacher, and the best students I have do this more often, mm -hmm. is to say, that's not working. I understand what you're asking me to do. I'm having trouble doing it. Can we okay. try another way? All right. Here's my to problem. Me to, to try and do that. Right. Here's my problem with that. Shoot. Most people in a lesson will try it twice, three and times, and, and they say it's not working. Sure. For me, something is not working. Like if, if, it, if you tried for an hour, it's not working. Then I'm like, okay, or 30 minutes. All right. Maybe it's not working. And then, yes, I'll figure out another way yes. uh, to make this work. But I do find that there are students that give up very easily. Yes, I, um, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the line for me is, is it something that's not clicking in terms of your understanding or something that's not clicking in terms of your body? Right. If you understand it mentally and what I'm asking of you, then we just need time for your body. It needs to translate to your body. But if, right. you're, if you don't understand it, you're going to have a hard time translating it to your body. Right. But there's another, there's the other thing too. Like if a student says to me, you know, um, I have problems with this knee, blah, blah, blah. Then I make an adjustment, Right. but I need to know that beforehand. Correct. I don't want, I don't want to keep, te I don't want to keep showing you something and, and making you keep repeat it. And then after like 20 minutes, you're like, well, I kind of have, yeah, I have this <laughs> issue. And I'm like, cause now it comes off as an excuse to me. Right. Cause you should have prepared me right from the beginning saying, right. by the way, just so that you know, this knee doesn't do this or that my foot is immobilized. I have a metal plate. So then I go, great. I, now I know what to do. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the kind of feedback I want from a student. Absolutely. I feel like students don't. And granted, I know apparently I can be intimidating because I speak my mind. But yeah, I'm me too. Here, I'm here, <laughs> right? Or scary. So, right. Oh my God, I'm so scared of her. Um, and as you said, we're here to help you. That's our yes. job. But I can't yeah. do that if I lack information. You know, you right. wouldn't go to your doctor and not tell them you have a heart condition. You know, if they're treating you for some other ailment, you'd be like, hey, by the way, just FYI, you know, that's why they make you fill out the form, the form of all the history that you have. And it's, 
it's the same thing in this this lesson. If you if something's not working right, or you have some issue of uh, physically physical mm-hmm. issue, right? Mm-hmm. Let me know. Um, and I, you know, I always ask my students at the start of a lesson, "What do you want to get out of this? Or what are you working on? What are you struggling with?" Mm-hmm. And that's to make sure that we set expectations. So, yeah, I always say questions, comments, concerns. Right. Tell me, yeah. tell me yeah. what's going on so that I can make sure you get what you want out of this lesson. So, you know, mm-hmm. when Franny asks, how do I get the most out of classes in private lessons? T- in the cl- case of a private lesson, tell me what you expect to get out of that lesson, and I will help you get that out of the lesson. Be proactive in it. Right. I also, too, make sure that I, you know, questions, comments, concerns, what would you like out of the lesson? And first, for the most part, They'll give me a couple of things, but they'll say to me, um, I just want your, like your feedback, like watch what I'm right. doing. Correct Mold me. me. Mold. Yes. <laughs> yes. Make me a star. Sculpt me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And that's fine yeah. too. I think sure. we, we talked about this at one point, I think one, on one of the live episodes where somebody said, what's uh, the best way to go into a private lesson? And I think come with an agenda. Don't, doesn't matter. Right. Um, I don't think there's that no makes wrong for a way. better. Right. There's no. It's yeah. not a better or worse approach. Some people just come with something that's on their mind, and other people don't. And I will say that sometimes there are people that come into lessons with like this whole list, and it's it's so exciting for me. I'm like, oh my god, this is exciting. You have right. a list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I want to see like, do, you know, he's got like ten things, or she's got like ten things on the list. I'm like, oh my god, can I get to these ten things? But I I feel I feel excited because I feel that 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 student took the time right. to come prepared. Mm-hmm. Right. So they thought through it. Yeah. Um, With respect to group classes, I just want students, you want to get the most out of it. Focus on yourself Mm -hmm. and just focus on doing what the teacher is asking of you. And don't correct the person you're dancing with. That's what I mean. I feel like the thing that goes wrong the, the most in a group class is people focus on their partner and not themselves. It is not your job to teach your partner. That's my job as the teacher. If something's not working, same raise as the private lesson, raise your hand, say, this is not working and I will come around and help you. Exactly. But people don't focus on themselves and then they don't actually learn the material that that is being taught to them. Or they're talking through the instruction to their partner. And I'm like, hello, I'm teaching, I'm sharing, I'm imparting knowledge that you might want. Right. So, so wouldn't you say that's a little bit part of like what's going on in society today is like nobody wants to take accountability Everyone's passing the buck, passing the blame, passing the blame. So this is why in workshop classes, it's like they're correcting their partner so they don't have to look at themselves. Maybe. I think some people, I think there's lots of different reasons. That that might be one of them for sure. I think uh, some people come in thinking they know a lot already. And so they focus on their partner. I think some people, they recognize their partner's not doing it and they feel challenged in doing it themselves. So they focus on the partner. Right. You know, maybe they don't have the skills to adapt to the partner. I I think there's a lot of reasons. But yeah, sometimes it's people passing the buck. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, like I said in an earlier episode, one of my pet peeves is when people ask a question about the other role. Right, no. I'm a leader and... What if followers, blah, 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 don't, what you're, you're, are you a follower? Then you don't have to worry about it. Any followers concerned here? No. Cool. (laughs) Like focus on yourself, focus on doing what the teacher asks of you and focus on making it work with every partner you get in class. Like I said, in the all things swing episode, group classes are great because you get instruction and the chance to apply it in quote unquote real world situation, but by which I mean different partners. Right. And learning to how to adjust to each partner, because that's what West Coast Swing is. Yes. Adjusting people. 
I often tell my students how when I was starting out as a leader, this is just partly me being a geek, but I would kind of focus on percentages. So I learn a new move and I go social dancing and I say, what percentage of the time did it work? Well, it worked with like 30% of the followers. Okay, I got to work on it. (laughs) (laughs) Or I go out and I'm like, okay, it works with 70%. What's happening with the other 30% that it's not working? Right. And then how do I increase the percentage? But it was about me and how I got it to work. Not, oh, well, my partners are just broken. So it's not going to work with them. Like that's crazy talk. You should be able to lead and follow with anybody and make it work in an ideal world. Exactly. Um, with respect to practice sessions and giving useful feedback, I will just throw in my two cents, um, before I hand it over to you, because I, I do a training at MCS on feedback and a lot of what I talk about kind of comes from nonviolent communication, which Mm -hmm. is tell people what you feel, Mm -hmm. um, and not what they're doing wrong or what you want them to do differently. I distinguish between feedback and instruction. To me, feedback is letting people know what you're experiencing um, or what you'd like. And instruction is telling somebody you need to do this or you should do that. Um, I'm from the same school of thought. I feel that I, you know, even like when I would be practicing, like when I had a regular partner, I would always say, this is what I'm feeling. And I, I need this from you. How can we make this happen? As opposed to me saying, um, you're doing it wrong. This is what I'm feeling. How do we fix this? Right. And it's yeah. like you said, we, 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 so, yeah, we're, it's a partnership. You know, if somebody, if you are a follower and your leader feels like you, your partner's pulling you out of the anchor and you're like, they're off time and pulling me. Well, you don't say you're off time and pulling me. Mm-hmm. You say, I feel like I can't finish my weight transfer at the end of my anchor. Can we look at that and try that a few times and see what's happening? I feel like this is also a really good, uh, learning skill for life because I think we make the mistake too when we're like in relationships we'll do the same thing instead of saying you know this is I'm feeling this way and how can we make this better so I don't feel this way instead we we go like uh, you did this to me and you're making me um and and then it becomes uh we don't we don't fix the issue and now we're we're both you know on the defense right yeah whether it's personal or professional. Right, right. I would encourage people to check out the book, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life by Marshall Rosenberg, PhD. Um, nice. He set the, I have it in my own reading list. I've read articles by and uh, by him and about this subject, but it really is about giving feedback, telling people what you're experiencing in a way that doesn't put them on the defensive. It doesn't attack them. Right. Um, it opens up lines of communication instead of closing them off. Right. It makes you feel comfortable as opposed to uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Which is important, especially since dance is so um, intimate. Yes. And personal. Right? Personal. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I use the same method, whether I'm working with dance students, whether I'm yeah, talking to people in their personal, like talking to friends about their personal relationships, right. or whether I'm coaching managers in the workplace because... Mm-hmm how we communicate matters. You know, if you, want to commu- if you want to relay information to somebody and it's not always good information, you should probably think about how you're delivering it. Right. In a way that doesn't make them defensive. Right. So, um, yeah, I think peer pra- I think practice sessions are great. I also tell my students sometimes depending on what you're working on and you dance with a partner or a group of people, sometimes you don't want to tell them what you're working on and just say, what do you notice? Right. Right. There are times where I just say to my friends, Hey, what did you notice in my dance? 
because I kind of want to see what stands out to them. Yeah, um, you, you, yeah, you can even say, I've been working on something. Have you noticed anything different in my dancing? Well, so the latter would yeah. be, lead, you know, giving them a, a hint of, hey, I've been working on whatever, my posture, did it look any better? And that's right, more right, targeted right. feedback. And depends on what you want out of the feedback, whether you mm-hmm. ask a more open-ended question or a more specific one. And I think it, it, we should also, it's for people should recognize that when you put yourself in a position of being, you know, with your peers and it's a practice session, um, you've put yourself in a position to be in a, you know, I don't know another word that I could use, but, uh, but to be criticized a bit. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So we, we have to have a little bit, you know, of a, th- of a thick skin sometimes. Yes. And, not, and understand intent. It's all here to make each other. better. Right. Right. We're not here to hurt anyone. We're here to, you know, make each other better and, and maybe sometimes coming from uh, an empowering place when you make a statement about what you need or what you'd like, or um, sometimes things will come out better for you. Yeah. Good advice in general. Yes. In life. In, in life. Yes. In life. Let's look at this next question. Uh-oh. By, what did I say? Mateus Lech? Mateus Lech? Lech? Sorry, yeah. Mateus. Deborah has some Hungarian background. So it's definitely Mateus because SZ is... S- right, Mateus. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I don't know about the left. Yeah, anyway. But we're grateful for his question. Um, yes. And I thought we'd throw this in the mix. We have touched upon name change a little bit in our Rose City mm-hmm. Swing episode. But mm-hmm. what do you think about modern swing? Well, here's what I think. Our dance has been evolving and changing since it's came to fruition which would mean that every decade, because that's kind of how it goes, that we'd have to change the name every decade to something because hmm. it's different than it was before. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure why we need to change the name to Modern Swing as opposed to West Coast Swing. It also, taking the name West Coast Swing away, it, it, that's where it originated from, the West Coast. Right. Um, so I... I'm, I I don't see the reasoning behind changing the name. Is the reason because modern swing is two words, and it's easier to remember, and it seems like it's it makes it's more um, attainable to people. I don't I don't really know the answer to that, but for for me, uh, I wouldn't change the name. It changes its origin. It came from what you know came from the West Coast. Changing the name doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. So, um, nor I, I think, okay. look, if we were to change the name, I think modern swing is a good option. Um, sure. in the sense that I, I think when we explain to people what West coast swing is, we often say it's a swing dance done to modern music, music, right? Right. So in that regard, I think if we were to change the name, modern swing would do, um, it would be a good option, especially over some of the other ones. Um, but I agree with you. I just, I just don't understand why we need to change the name. Um, my understanding of, of from what I've heard and people should comment and let me know, which we might dare to throw this up in our Facebook group as a discussion, mm-hmm. because I do want to understand what I, I, my understanding is that it originally just came up as a joke. Um, oh. but then people latched onto it because they're either having trouble attracting people to the dance or explaining the dance. And we talked about this at Swingcouver. Um, I always tell people it is not big band swing. 
So do I. It's a smoother, slower version of swing that we do to contemporary music. Top 40. Top 40. That's, what I, that's yep. what I say. Yep. Everything from blues to top 40, if I have the inclination to spread the joy. Which, but, could, which involves all different other dances that we can incorporate with. There's a little bit of hip hop in there right. sometimes and a little bit of, you know, salsa, whatever. We put some flavor of other dances in there. Right. Um, I don't feel like the name is a deterrent. This Neither dance has I. exploded around the world with the name yep. West Coast Swing. Amen. And I agree. It 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 has a name. <laughs> um, right. You know, Lindy Hop has spread around the world. And tell me what that means other than Lindbergh Hop the Atlantic. What does that That's say about? Right. It, that's where right. it came from. He didn't know what to right. call it. And he said, Lindbergh just hopped the Atlantic. We're calling it Lindy Hop. Lindy Hop. And yet that dance exploded. The name did not limit its growth. Um, well, of course not. You know, a, a dance like Zook. And we right. laughed a about dance this like on the... salsa that's named after food. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but something like Zook or Kizomba or Bachata, they have all spread without people knowing what that name inherently means. Right. I don't think the name is a limiting factor. I don't and either. So I don't feel like we need to change the name. And my other concern is, is that, um, you know, there is a dance out there called Modern Jive. Oh, yeah. And I would hate for people to correlate modern swing with modern <laughs> jive. Yeah, true story. Because, yeah, because modern jive is basically walking around, you know, each other. for It's an eight-beat dance, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, with kind of like a little bit of a pulsing. But you can mm -hmm. kind of like walk around, you know, um, and do it. Uh, and it's not a bad dance. It's really a great stepping stone to West Coast Swing or any other couples dance because I've taught modern mm -hmm. jive dancers West Coast Swing, but I would hate for them to get, you know, put into the same right. box. Right. Because of the word modern. That's true. In some places it's going to resonate. And jive way. is a swing dance. Like jive is actually a, a, you know, dance from the Latin dances. Yes. Right. World, yeah. Right. The right. The ballroom world. So, I, I would just hate for that to, you know, change how people see it or feel about it. Right. It's just my personal opinion. Yes. Again, it's my opinion. I'm not saying that you know if we change the name, I'd be like, you know picketing outside of <laughs> dance events, <laughs> like, you know, being like, change the name back. Right, right. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I totally go with it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think the best way to explain to people any art form is to show it to them. Yes. Words are insufficient. <laughs> right. But, 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 however, having a good having good vocabulary and words to explain it do help. Absolutely. Because the, there are some people that explain West Coast Swing very vaguely. Yes. And they can't, they don't get it. You know, the way we explain it, it's, you, can, you, can, you can kind of visualize it. Right. Right. And showing it obviously helps more. Yes. I mean, you know, seeing something is, you know, helps learning. Yeah, absolutely. A smoother, slower version of Swing that we dance to modern top 40 music. There you right. go, people. We just gave you your soundbite. Right. Go ahead and use it. Adapt it. But that's it at its essence. It. That's what we do. Right. You know, if you have somebody who's into soul music, tell them we dance to right. blues, soul, pop. Like, explain all the different genres. Yep. Um, exactly. Spread the love. But yes. yes, if we had to change the name, Modern Swing works. 
but I don't but think then we need to the, change the name. But then it, it, it feels like we negate all the, the 30 years that we've been doing West Coast Swing. It's right, like, yeah. it, like it never existed. Right. And now the future that comes in, they learn this thing called Modern Swing. And then when we talk about history, we say like West Coast Swing while we're teaching. They're like, what's that? Right. Oh, that's you know, a different have... dance. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's true, too. It's about yeah. keeping the lineage. Right. I often think I put my biologist hat on and I think about evolution and speciation. Right. Right. So this dance has continued to evolve. Yes. But it's not a new species yet no. anyway. <laughs> no. Like West Coast Wing has distinctions from Lindy Hop that make it right. different mechanically. Right. So yes, you can dance with somebody from Lindy and understand them, but you'll also notice that they're doing something different. We and, could also dance with somebody from Shag. Right. I mean, we can, but you yeah. recognize that it's a different dance. Absolutely. Different mechanics, different feel. Right. And yet, West Coast Swing has not evolved into something different <laughs> yet. No. It's still West Coast Swing. All the things we talk about that define this dance are still there. Right. So, not yet, anyway. Not an ARP. No I was going to say, as long, as long as we're around, we're going to do ARP <laughs> yes, dances. Right. Like, <laughs> maybe I will stand out there picketing. Right, right, right. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Um, yes. So, let's look at our next question. And this one comes from Sarah Rumpel. And I thought it was uh, an interesting question because we talk a lot about ways that we want to see improvement in the community. But Sarah asks, what do you think is missing? from the West Coast Swing community? For example, maybe a resource or a cultural practice or a piece of knowledge, et cetera. Mm. That's a tough one. It is. I feel like I need more time. I mean, I yeah. looked at it beforehand, but I've still... <laughs> I feel like I need more time for that too. I mean, I do believe that there's one thing that has popped up that has helped, which is I would I feel like is a resource. What's that? Which is the, the you know the flash mob? Hmm. I feel that's kind of helped, um, like open up like people's eyes in in your local area and community. Because I, here here's what I think is missing. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Go. What I think is missing is this: what what Robert and I used to talk about a lot when we would go to communities. We would say, hey, you, you need to like get your like 10 or 12 or five local West Coast Swing dancers that really dance West Coast Swing well and go to like a bar where they allow music on and you can kind of like push the chairs around or kind of dance on your own and like bring it to the masses that way. I mean, we bring it to the masses at country bars because they do play West Coast music and right. country people know about West Coast, but kind of like showing it to places where they'd never see it. Right. Like a local bar where they're playing a little bit of music or, you know, even like a salsa club, like all of a sudden just bust out of the corner with some West Coast. It's not like you can't because you could. Right, right. Um, you know, so that's a way of like giving knowledge or opening up a resource for people to see. Um, and, and, you know, Maybe having more local um, ballroom dance studios have West Coast swing instructors that aren't ballroom, but that are West Coast, mm. right? To help them get more of what we do in West Coast swing. So for you, the resource missing is ways of spreading the dance. Right. Locally. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, we should talk besides about besides word of mouth. Right. Right. We should talk about this. We have an upcoming episode 
on local community. Write but, it down. But I do want to talk about how we grow yeah. community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm of the mind right now. There are lots of people working on growing community. I want to focus myself, my own energy on improving the community that we have for the already. people who are here. Because right. I think there's still a lot to be done there. But um, mm-hmm. for me, it, and partly to that end, I think what's missing, because I keep coming back to it, is mentorship. Mm. I feel like there is a lot of knowledge and it gets passed down, but it kind of mm. trickles. And I feel like as somebody, who has, so as somebody who has tried to develop myself, I have my own mentors. I mm-hmm. turn to you for information and advice. Right. I use uh, Tom Perdana and Kim Sifter. They've been great mentors to me in building a local community. And of course, I have my own coaches, you know, instructors that I seek over and over to help me with mm-hmm. my dancing. But I feel like, and maybe this is on my mind too, because I just launched the peer mentorship program at MCS. I feel like a lot of knowledge happens outside the classroom, happens outside a private lesson. And yeah. to have more relationships where somebody is just there, a more experienced person to help me navigate my way. And I feel yeah. like some of us form those relationships. They certainly happen in our community. And sometimes they happen around dancing and, and people who want to become professionals and they have other top professionals who bring them up. Right. But I feel like there's a lot of muddy waters to navigate in our community, especially when you're first coming in. But even as you progress, which is actually going to lead us to, I think, our next question pretty well. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of challenges in this community. And I think it's really helpful to have other people who have been through it. Mm-hmm who help you understand what you're going through and help you navigate it. Whether that's your own dance journey, whether that's competing, whether it's social dancing, whether you want to be a DJ or a professional or whatever it is, I feel like instruction would be better if we had more mentorships. I feel like maybe DJing would be better. We do have lots of people like Cher and Victor and Ruby who are, who Mm -hmm. are mentoring other people. And I love that. I love that. I want to see Mm -hmm. more of that. Mm -hmm. I want to see more experienced dancers reach out to newer dancers uh, and help guide them along their journey. And maybe you change mentors as you evolve. Um, mm-hmm. But I just sure. think it, it would be more cohesion within our community. And that's kind of my goal here at Mission City Swing is to help keep cohesion between the, the newer dancers and the more experienced dancers. Which is the whole also, point of the word community. Right. Yeah. Uh, and to pass on some of that knowledge that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, to do more of it. It does happen in our community. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just want to see more of it. So it's not missing. I just think. So I think what, what, we're, what we're after is just, you know, more people being mindful of new people coming in and like showing them the ropes and being like, hey, like, welcome to the community. And just, just being kinder, I think, mm-hmm. is a good way, yes. you know, of looking at it. I, I think sometimes we, we, we like we get so caught up in our own stuff that, you know. We forget that people are important. Right. Doesn't matter what level they are, and we need each other all the time. Right. And it gets back yeah. to what you say all the time about connecting as people. Yeah. I think if we connect as people and take a genuine interest in people, we'll find those opportunities to impart yeah. knowledge. It doesn't have to be a. I mean, I say mentorship. It doesn't mean a, a one-to-one long-term thing, though. That would be cool. Right. Um, no, I got it. But even you know, that's part of our goal with this podcast is to help pass on some knowledge, whether that's from the people we interview or the conversations we have to impart some of that knowledge and and keep it going. 
so that people right, and, at and any to point help in their, the community, right? So that people at any point in their dance journey, right, hear information that they might need. You know, right. I struggle as an all star. It's not just new people. You struggle as a champion sometimes. Like, yeah. Oh, please. We all need people to look out for us and and help guide us. Yeah, totally. Points. Yes. Which gets us to our next question from Tom Paderna. He says something I'm struggling with right now. So many of us, at one point or another, hit a wall. Where, for whatever reason, we feel that our dancing isn't as much fun anymore. Where we have more bad dances than good ones. Oftentimes, we even take a break. I nearly took a ten-year break, and so many of us simply never come back. What strategies, tactics, or changes do you suggest, or have used, to break through that wall? Or is chasing good dances a kind of hedonic treadmill? And I'm asking on behalf of the average social dancer, not the competitive, partnered-up, practicing every week peeps. All right. So this is a great question, Tom Paderna, and I just want you to know that uh, even when, e- even though you're looking at it from a social aspect, I feel this way sometimes as a champion. So um, I struggle uh, sometimes, and, and I. So the things that I do um, with my, to help my struggle is sometimes I do take a step back, right? Like I. Uh, I won't social dance as much or, but the thing that I do the most is I, I really self reflect and I, I look at myself and I say, what's actually going like on with me right now that the dancing isn't the way I want it to be. Is it something internal? Because I think a lot, we, we focus a lot on external right. things. Um, and dancing is such a huge part of like, connecting if you do it right it's connecting emotionally and like two souls together like I I don't feel like people get this concept and when you're internally struggling with something it makes it hard to connect physically with someone regardless dance it could be other things connecting physically so I I think sometimes I, I start I look internally and what's going on with me there or I'll look at um, what what can I do within what at a, while I'm at an event or uh, at a social dance to to make myself have you know a good evening. It's all it's all about intent as well. So if you have the mindset, oh God, I I just hope I you know like have some good dances like this weekend. You've already put negativity out there. So, and I know it seems, it seems a little bit, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like mystical, like, oh, it can't be that, but it is, it's totally, it's totally that we're all connected through energy and stuff like that. So I look at it internally and and I look at it from a, from a, a point of view of like, um, Zen and energy and, um, intention. Mm -hmm. That's how I do it. Yeah. I think that's 100% true. Yeah. Or I talk to a friend. Right. I pick up the phone mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it. I don't know what's going on with me, you know, and then, and they help me work through it and they go, wait a minute, that's not actually what's going on. This is what's going on, which is what I do for everyone else. Right. It's hard to self, I'm good at self-diagnosing, but sometimes it's really hard because you could get really down on yourself right. and like, and like live in your depression. Yes. Right. So that's what I do. Yeah. I, really resonate with what you said about 
looking within, the times when I've least enjoyed dancing or when mm-hmm. I've struggled with it the most mm-hmm. is usually when something else in my life is not sitting right. Right, right. I'm struggling at work or a relationship or my confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and it's dance is affected by that. It's all, we're all the same person, you know, wherever we go. And so while dance, I wanted to be my release, my escape from all of that stuff, whatever else is going on inside me is going to come with me. Right. So the other thing I'll say, yeah, the other thing I'll say, well, to you, Tom, I will say in particular, one, talk to me (laughs) because I'm in your town. You should get a drink. Um, Two, keep in mind, Tom, that for you and for many people listening, a lot of us are hard on ourselves. And Mm -hmm. to remember that even on our worst days, it's really not that bad. You know, in terms of our dancing, we think, oh, we're not having good dances. It's like, Mm -hmm. I bet, Tom, you're not really having bad dances, which gets me to the other point, which is frustration, disappointment, and conflict come Mm -hmm. from misalignment of expectations. Yep, that too, for sure. If you are expecting to to get something out of your dances, or if you are focused on what is not happening in your dances that you want to happen, you are more likely to be frustrated and disappointed and have bad dances. If you can appreciate what is happening or be open to whatever is coming at you, then Mm -hmm. you are more likely to have a good dance because Mm -hmm. you didn't have any expectations about what you wanted to achieve. And I know that's hard. I personally know how hard that is because as somebody who continually strives to improve my dancing, I have lots of nights where I'm frustrated. Um, because I'm trying to do something I'm trying to execute and it's not happening. Um, and on those nights, that's when it's hardest for me to let go and just say, okay, well, what is happening? Because I'm so determined to make something happen. Right. And I think that's a good point about expectations because I I think we should, we should recognize that expectations and intention are two different things. Mm -hmm. So you, you you can say, I want to have, I want to have a good night. Damn it. That's an expectation. And an intention is, I'm going to have a great night. Mm, yes. So different. So change, get rid of the expectations and work on intent. Right. I, I, I'm a firm believer that um, intent is like 85%, you know, of life. Not everybody understands um, intent because of their own. BS that's going on in their life. Cause you, you can approach somebody with the best of intentions and the proper way. And still it gets misconstrued because of how they're what's going on in their life. Right. Right. Um, so I think we all have to be mindful of intention. Um, and good intentions are always good. Right. Right. Um, so that's just how I, you know, I feel, uh, about it. And, and Tom, just so that, you know, like, Dancing is something that's really, it's something I adore and I love. Like, I can't imagine life without dancing, but it's not who defines me. It's not what defines me Mm -hmm. as a person, but does it soothe my soul? Yes. So is it frustrating when I, I, I don't get that thing that I need from the dancing? Yep. And that's when I go, okay, what's really going on? Right. Because the dance is the place where I go to express myself and, and heal myself mm-hmm. of what's ailing me. Yeah. The other thing I think to add to that 
which you and I have talked about, and I know I've talked about with others, is thinking about along the same lines of expectations and intentions is what is it you're hoping to get out of this? Right, right, right. Um, I think knowing, so I have stepped back several Mm -hmm. times and I've asked my question, why am I doing this? Right. What do I love about this? What do I not love? And I avoid, so I've stepped back from competition several times because it Mm -hmm. just wasn't bringing me joy. It was bringing me frustration. Right. Like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Like, this should be fun. Why am I putting self through this torture? Right? Right. Yeah. So I stepped back from competition and I just went and I would go social dancing and I, because the part of it I love is I do love dancing and I love hanging out with my friends. So I would do the social dancing at night or hang out in the ballroom and watch comps and talk to people. And I started feeling good and enjoying it more. And then I started feeling good about myself and then my dancing improved. Right. So it's that chain reaction of, of finding your joy. But I think a lot of people not only have expectations, but they have expectations of what they're going to get out of this experience Right. What you're going to get from others, what you're going to get from competition, what you're going to get from even right. social dancing. Like, oh, I'm going to have great dances. They're all going to be magic. And it's like, of course they're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, um, it's almost like what you, you know, you, you do something for someone with the expectation of getting something back instead of doing something for someone out of the pure joy of wanting to do it for them. Right. Giving versus taking. Right. And you and I personally have talked about that, how people in relationships are sometimes givers and sometimes they're takers. Right. And usually the people who are taking or looking for things from other people are trying to fill some hole inside themselves. Right. Right. Like we have some need, which is why we're trying to take because Mm -hmm. we need something. Right. And then the question gets back to what you said earlier of, okay, what's happening inside you that you, that you're looking for things from others or from the Mm -hmm. outside world and you can't find it within yourself. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it's it, look, it's challenging. And if you need to step back, step back. But if you love dancing, and if you're at your heart, you know, you love dancing, then work through it. Look at what it is you love mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. as you said, Deborah, connect with people, find the people yes. who bring you joy in the community. Yep. Find the people who you can talk to about this. You know, sometimes just talking about it and hearing somebody else say, yeah, this sucks, is what you need. You know, and I don't know if anybody has like, and you should have this in the swing dance community. I don't know if anybody has like a go-to like specific person or a couple of people that they talk to about things. But I have that in the Mm -hmm. swing community and I make sure that, and they know that they're that for me and I'm that for them. Right. So they know that we're always there for one another. You need to find that your person Mm -hmm. or persons to help you through. Because this is a journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always going to be easy. No. Um, but to your question, Tom, I do think chasing good dances is a hedonic treadmill. <laughs> yeah. We get some good dances <laughs> and we like expect more and more. And, right. you know, reality doesn't change. Just our expectations do. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, I... Tom, call me. Yes. I know you're going to listen to this one. You can call me too, Tom. <laughs> you have my number. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So... To wrap up, this is kind of a, a question slash just fun thing. Um, yeah. Because Cheney, and I know somebody said, you keep mentioning Cheney. Cheney Morelli is my girlfriend from Minnesota. Right. So if I mention her, that's who she is. And right. she and I were talking, and she threw this. She said we should talk about this on the show, and I agree with her. Because you, Deborah, and me, we both like superheroes. Yes. And we're comic geeks. books. We're yeah. geeks like that. So. Yeah. Granted, I know there are more hardcore geeks out here, so I would love to hear the opinions of friends who are more into this than we are. Right. Um, 
But Cheney and I were talking about if our top pros were superheroes. Oh, boy. Who, who would they, they be? be? Ah, I want to hear this. Go. This so, is so fun. This is a list that Cheney and I compiled together. And I'm curious what you think. I'm not set on all of them. Okay. And I'll, I'll talk those through. So okay. the first one that was kind of easy for us, I shouldn't say easy, but it was, it was pretty clear when we landed on it. Robert Royston mm-hmm. is Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because he's, he has you know, yeah. And he's like, he's sciencing the crap out of stuff. Like he's, yes, he's, totally. uh, he makes stuff happen. Yes. He's got the bravado of Tony Stark, the charm. Totally. Um, he is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Brandy. Yes. Let's face it. Brandy is strong. Uh, yes. But also like the image of, you know, like perfection. Everything's so like well placed and put. Yes. Totally. So she's got to be Wonder Woman. Absolutely. I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> yes. So sure. let's look at a couple of others. Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little conflicted on this one. So we talked about him being Superman. Okay, I'm I like this. Tell me why you're conflicted. I I think because, this is a good. Cause, I, okay, you like Superman for Jordan? I do. Okay, I like it too. Um, I feel like because Jordan, you know, he's strong. He's um, uh, he's you know got the quaff. He's got like, I don't know. He fits that Superman ideal. Like, and for me personally, I've always admired his dancing and, and aspired to it. So mm-hmm. like that ideal of, of, of being the leader of the team and, and that kind of thing. Right. I think the conflict I have is that sometimes I think he's darker than Superman. And I don't mean like he's mean or anything like that. I just feel like he's edgier than Superman. Cause to me, Superman is a boy scout. So you would think he's more like Batman then. Right. Ah, I think he's more Bruce Wayne. I think he's got like a little edge to him. Yeah, um, yeah. and he's he's still strong and that that leader. But yeah, he's got he's got a little edge to him. I think I like him better as Batman too. We'll have to change that. Yeah, I I agree with that. So this gets us then to Tatiana mm-hmm. because we were thinking of Tatiana as also strong, very, and yes. also kind of pulling different tools out of her belt and throwing them at you. Right. And so we were talking about how she would be a Batman slash Batwoman. Yes. Cause she's always, yes. She's like a she's, ninja. Yes. <laughs> she's like, got all these gadgets as far as her body's concerned. Right. Like she, she comes out of everything. Like grappling hook, batarang. She's got it all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. So, so that would Batman. make Jordan Batman and Tatiana Batwoman, which, which makes sense. complete sense now. Right. Yeah. I'm glad we fixed that. <laughs> okay. <cool. laughs> so, on the other side, uh, or I shouldn't say the other side, but on, on another level, there's yeah. Kyle and Sarah. Right. And for me, Kyle, I, for me, it was pretty clear that he's the Flash. Oh, my God. He's yes. got fast feet. He's got a sense of humor. Well, um, he's funny as looking out. Yes. Yep. He's like a Wally West Flash. Yeah. So Clever. Sarah was trickier for us because Sarah's super smooth. She's super mm-hmm. slinky. She's super cute and charming, but she's also got like a dark, a, a dark, I don't want to say dark. That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean? She's got like an edgier. Uh, I feel like Sarah's like poison ivy. Like she so, gives you like a little bit of like her sass when she's dancing. And then she's like, oh no. Interesting. I like yes. that. Um, yeah. The one we came up with was Catwoman. 
Oh, that's good too. Because she's slinky, but Catwoman yes. as Selena Kyle is trying to do good, but as Catwoman is kind of bad, but she's doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, no, that's good too. We'll keep her as Catwoman. I like that. <laughs> I do like Poison Ivy though. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Sarah kind of, you know how Poison charming. Ivy like, yes, Poison Ivy was very charming. Yes. And also like Poison Ivy, like she would, um, she would entice you with her, you know, how she moved and right. then she'd and kiss her, you and you'd perfume, be like, yeah. Right, then you'd be like under her spell. That's like right, what Sarah right. does, like when she slinks around you when she's dancing. Yes. Yes. Well, and then I, but I also think of, when I think of Sarah, a lot of times I think of when she kind of pops out to the audience and gives that like crooked smile. Yes, totally. Which is very, yeah, Poison Cat Ivy. Woman-y. And Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I like her right. as Catwoman, but okay. um, we'll keep Poison that. Ivy That's works. Fine. So Ben Morris. Oh, I think he's Shazam. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a little boy in a, in a grown-up body. <laughs> yes. So similarly, I'm on the same wavelength with you. Yeah. But I also think Ben is super adaptive. Yes. Right? We've talked yeah. about how adaptive and creative he is. So yeah. I said Beast Boy. Oh yeah. Can transform Except- himself, but he's kind of got like a dorky, funny side. He does, right? Um, I, I still like Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> I like Beast Boy, but okay. we, we can leave this up for debate. People can comment on this. Yes. Um, this so then we get to Victoria. Yep. And well, she's a tough one. So let me see what you came up with. I came up with, and this was my suggestion, and I'm I feel pretty good about it, but Spider Gwen. Because she's kind of oh, Spider Man y in that she's kind of bendy and does different shapes and, and athletic. Yeah. Her, yeah. But she's yeah, like yeah. the cool the cool chick. So right. Spider Gwen was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the cool like version it. of Gwen Stacy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not set on it, but it's I where I think- landed. Um, I don't know why I was thinking more like Black Canary. So <laughs> that name came up, I think, for somebody else, too. It might have come up for Victoria. Um, what is it about Black Canary that you think is a good fit? Well, Black Canary is really smart, mm-hmm. as is Victoria Hank. Yes. She's not just smart uh, on the dance floor. Right. She's smart with her choices. She's smart off the dance floor. She's mm-hmm. really smart. But she's also quirky, which Black Canary was a little quirky. I guess so, yeah. Um, I just think of Black Canary and I think of the voice. And granted, Victoria can sing, but... Victoria's um, got an operatic voice. Right. But when I think of her dancing, I think of... We can keep her a the... spider, Gwen. That's fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. Like, Black Canary... I'm just trying, I have to, like, try it on for a little bit. Anyway. Okay. That's, that's where we landed with Victoria. Um... Maxence and Virginie actually ended up being fairly similar, but different, of course, um, because both of them seem to like do magical things when they're when dancing. They're dancing. Yes, like, right. Magical things just kind of happen between them. So right, like we they thought, have a force field with each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like they conjure up all sorts of things. So right. Maxence, we said Doctor Strange. Yep. And Virginie Scarlet Witch. Oh, I love it. That's beautiful. Because <laughs> they're both magical and seductive yeah, yeah. and charming. And I dig. They make, they make mind-bending funny. stuff happen when yeah, they dance. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I like it. Um, Maxime and Tori. So for Maxime, we were thinking he's smooth and a, he's got like a way of moving that's kind of uh, graceful but also athletic. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man? So, yeah, we actually, well, actually, yeah. it's funny. Uh, Chini wrote in the list, we said Spider-Man, but then mm-hmm. she wrote 
Spider Om. <laughs> spider Om, because he's French. <laughs> yes. So Maxime is Spider Om. Om, I like it. <laughs> um, and then for Tori, we were trying to think because she's also kind of like Sarah, kind of slinky, kind of yeah. charming and classy, um, mm-hmm. but has a little bit of edge to her. And I thought Black Cat, Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Yeah. Yep. Because Felicia Hardy was all glam. Um, totally in her daytime persona and then at night right, was night, all right. seductive and slinky and she's very much like Catwoman. yes right yeah. right it's kind of yeah. the yeah, yeah kind of an equivalent and mm-hmm. of course black cat and spider Om had a relationship so that's that works right well. so it worked out perfect yes so i've got spider a couple Ohm. more <laughs> yes but um correct me up that she wrote that um benji yeah very physical very athletic, yeah. Very athletic, and really uses his senses. Yes. That, that led us to Daredevil. Yes! High risk. Totally. Um, uses his senses. Huh? Very good reflexes. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah. And then that gets us to you, Deborah. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought, okay, we, we went through, we actually went through a few different ones, and we were like, okay, it has to be strong. Mm-hmm. Kind of. A, a leader among your peers like we know all of your peers kind of turn to you for guidance and support um and so but i also think you also have you have edge and i like the edge that's why we're friends right you didn't have a dark side i don't know how we'd be friends right. um so i was thinking gene gray slash phoenix oh love it <laughs> plus your Perfect. hair is a little red now well pink but um, that's okay because Phoenix, like, yeah, she did some crazy stuff, but she was also mm-hmm. all powerful. Mm-hmm. And really smart. Yes. And Jean Grey was one of the leaders of the X-Men and the team. Right. And so, yeah, we landed on Jean Grey slash Phoenix. And you. I have a science degree, so that works out well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what we didn't do was Sean and Courtney. Right. But let's think about it now. So, hmm. Sean's like the protector, I feel like, when he dances with you. Mm. He like makes sure he, 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 he makes sure that you have a good dance and that he, he, he's there for you in whatever, you know, you decide whatever your decision is on the dance floor. Mm. He's like ready for it. Right. And Courtney, I feel like she's like that too, but she's like the, like the, the hippie, uh, hippie chick on the dance floor. It's hard to explain like the hippie hip hop. <laughs> but with definitely an upbeat attitude yeah like you know and she's like always ready it doesn't matter what you throw at her mm. that one's tricky the one that's coming to mind for sean is green lantern yes he's got his ring and he'll be there he's he'll be there he's got yes. whatever you need he just pulls it out with his ring perfect that's it it's green lantern i like it and you know the whole green lantern core and protectors of the universe and all right. that um, Courtney, definitely more upbeat. Yep. Even, even like, uh, geeky sometimes. Yes. Yeah. But who in the universe? I'm thinking is like that. Um, well, you know, Catwoman's like that during her regular daily thing. She's a geek weirdo. Yeah. Well, she's weird. <laughs> that's yeah, a little different. She, yeah. That's different. Cause Courtney's not weird. I'm trying to think of upbeat, happy happier kind of bat girl that does kind of come to mind barbara gordon was definitely more upbeat yeah like so many 
so many superheroes have like a dark side and i feel like sure cartner has that but like she's a bright spirit yeah captain marvel oh captain marvel how do we not give that to anyone <laughs> i don't know i want to be captain marvel <laughs> <laughs> um, i feel like but- captain marvel and phoenix are very similar in their powers, but well, yeah. not even their powers, because Phoenix had the had telepathy, right? Um, but Captain Marvel, at least is portrayed excited. in the newer version of her, is more upbeat and um, yeah. Let's give her like Captain witty Marvel. and yeah, which she is. Yes, all right. Absolutely. So Courtney's Captain Marvel, and Sean is Green Lantern. Yes, they're both Perfect. intergalactic. Yes, I'm glad we figured this out. <laughs> we had a couple of other ones, like um, we talked about Alyssa being like Black Widow, like a ninja. Yeah, totally. Very athletic on her feet, yep. prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we talked about Tara being. I, don't, I hope you're not offended, Tara, but we said Harley Quinn. Oh she's no, she's got a totally. great sense of humor, but she's yes. also like kind of acrobatic. Yep, Those, she's perfect, Harley Quinn. Yeah, yes, I like Harley Quinn. I'm, I wouldn't complain about that. I dig Harley Quinn. Anyway, she's also uh, she has dry sense of humor, like Tara does. Yes, yeah, a witty, yeah. a witty sense but, yeah, of humor. Totally. Sometimes dark. <laughs> yeah. I like the dark ones. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was what we came up with. Oh my God. I love these. So if people are listening and uh, you want to chime in, uh, yeah. let's, let's start a thread on, uh, in our discussion group on Facebook and I'll share these that we came up with. And you of course can throw in your own, your own suggestions. It's great. Let's see what happens. And then we'll make shirts for them. Right, (laughs) and then we'll make shirts for them. Robert will have the Iron Man shirt, Brandon the Wonder Woman. Yeah, right, right. Cool. Thanks everyone for your questions, and thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can of course post a comment on our website, respond to our post on Facebook, and/or share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. And to get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook. Subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Instagram at the Naked Truth WCS, and you can follow us on Twitter at Naked Truth WCS. We do have 35 followers. There are 35 <laughs> other people out there who are following us. It's so exciting. I might be one of them, but that's okay. Um, I'm not even following us. What's that? <laughs> uh, you're not even following? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to the Naked Truth WCS.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's the naked truth WCS.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And And that's that's the the naked naked truth. truth. Wait, wait, let me check Twitter. (laughs) 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 Ah, It's so funny. Oh, wait, we have a notification. But no DMs, no messages. we We got people following us. On Twitter? A whopping 35. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. I say we get to 50, and then I say we're giving up Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We decided we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, just follow us on Facebook.